All right, welcome to another live episode of My Own Two Hands, a KDNK public affairs program that explores sustainability issues in the Roaring Fork Valley and beyond. By meeting the thought leaders and practitioners who are developing and implementing sustainable solutions at any scale from local to global. My name is Adrian Victor Fielder, and I'm an assistant dean at Colorado Mountain College and a co-founder of CMC's sustainability program, which launched in 2011 as the college's first bachelor degree. My trusty co-host, Adele Kraft, who's a graduate of the program, couldn't join us today. But I'm honored to be in the studio with Dr. Kim Langmaid, my esteemed colleague, who serves CMC as Associate Professor of Sustainability Studies and who serves the Eagle Valley community as the Mayor of Vail. Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, Adrian, thanks so much for having me here. KDNK is definitely one of my favorite Colorado radio stations. Oh, yeah. Love that. So, your career has been devoted to sustainability education and social entrepreneurship in a truly impressive variety of venues. So let's start with uh, your work as the founder of Walking Mountains Science Center in Avon. I, I believe it was back in 1997. Uh, what, what was the genesis of Walking Mountains and how did it evolve under your watch and stewardship as its first executive director? Well, it's a long story, but I'll give you the cliff note version. And just um, having been a, a kid growing up in Vail with parents and grandparents who were naturalists and conservationists and hunters, it uh, really rubbed off on me. And so my connection with the natural world and wanting to do something for the environment and being outdoors uh, was super important to me. And I found my passion in uh, outdoor environmental education when I was working at the Vail Nature Center shortly after I graduated from college. And so I uh, went and got my graduate degree at the Teton Science Schools and then uh, came back and kind of used that model to develop a similar program for the Eagle Valley. And it really started out by partnering with the public schools and developing a curriculum for them so that every kid that's growing up in the valley had the opportunity to get outdoors, experience nature uh, with an outdoor educator and learn things about ecology and geology and winter snow science and all kinds of things that would really bring their uh, indoor science curriculum to um, to life, you know. And some kids would say that, boy, one day of being outside was like a whole year of indoor science class. <laughs> they loved it. I, I bet they look forward to that to this day. They do, yeah. And uh, um, Walking Mountain still continues to thrive and grow. It has truly exceeded my expectations. We have a campus in Avon. We're uh, developing a new base camp for programming near Gypsum on Sweetwater Creek, and uh, we've incorporated sustainability programs, and so it is really a big operation at this point. Yeah, it's, you know, I started it with $500 from my savings account, and it has (laughs) grown so much. Wow. 
Well, we have in the Roaring Fork Valley, of course, and we have one of the first environmental education centers that was ever founded. And I think, you know, it's easy to take that for granted because it was already here when you know most people who, who work there, um, it, it had already been in operation for many decades and already had a national reputation. But here you saw a, 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 a void over there in, in your neck of the woods and had the wherewithal to, to go ahead and start it from scratch. What was that like? Well, you know, I was young and just ready to take on the world, so I just went after it, and I, um, I did, you know, recruit quite a few mentors, including some from over here. Tom Cardamone at ASIS was one of those early mentors mm-hmm. that really helped me out in terms of, uh, you know, what it takes to run an organization, how to develop a board, how to do the fundraising. So I really developed myself sort of that, that informal board of directors alongside our traditional board of mm-hmm. directors, and surrounded myself with a lot of expertise because I didn't have a degree in uh, business or organizational development or Mm -hmm. any of those things. My degree was in biology and my passion was for education. So um, I learned a lot through the school of hard knocks, I'd say. (laughs) Yeah, that school has some hard lessons. Uh, Shout out to the Cardamones. Thank thank them for having the vision to do that way back when. Um, And you know, one thing that really struck me about the times that I visited over at Walking Mountains, and I would say this about ACES as well, is that when you say environmental education for all, that really is what's going on. It is everyone. It is not just the white kids. It is everyone. And uh, I would assume, um, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're thinking of, of doing this, this new uh, center over in Gypsum. I would assume that would help you reach a, a wider uh, swath of the population in Eagle County. Yeah, I mean, it's always been our priority to make sure that our programs really uh, work with the demographics that are representative of our community. And we have focused uh, really hard on working with our Hispanic and Latinx community, which is, you know, uh, the large majority of our community in some of our neighborhoods. So we have what's called the Eagle Valley Outdoor Movement, and that was funded through GOCO, I don't know, maybe five or so years ago Mm -hmm. now. And that continues Mm -hmm. to grow and thrive and really working with a lot of the um, the Hispanic families um, and doing all kinds of different programs in the in in a family sort of uh, way, camping, uh, uh, backpacking, river rafting, paddle boarding, just getting out and experiencing the natural world together in that um, sort of neighborhood environment. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that about the families. That really struck me every time I've been over there as well, is that it's multiple generations. It's not just for kids. Um, and I uh, actually wa- rewatched Walking Like a Mountain today to get ready for this. And I want to um, encourage our listeners to check out your TED Talk, Walking Like a Mountain, uh, where you take some inspiration from Aldo Leopold's essay, Thinking Like a Mountain, and really explain what it takes to make sustainability happen. Um, and I was personally very inspired by the story of the return of the northern leopard frog. This is one of your many successes you've had over the years. So y'all need to check that out. Well, you know, one thing I do want to clarify, when people hear the word Walking Mountains Science Center, they think it's literally about walking on the mountains. So, (laughs) you know, being outdoors and hiking, but that's really not it. It's the idea that the mountains themselves are walking and constantly changing. And then if we can come to realize that and understand that through place-based education, that we'll become 
uh, more aware and, and more uh, feel that sense of interconnection and responsibility for our mountain environments. Yeah, that really comes across. So you've also uh, done some work with the Eagle Valley Alliance for Sustainability, um, as well as some o- other work in Eagle County with the Climate Action Collaborative. Uh, what can you tell me, tell us about the work that they do and, and how has it impacted the policy over in Eagle County? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, um, in the earlier days, the Eagle Valley Alliance for Sustainability and Walking Mountain Science Center were separate. And um, Eagle Valley Alliance really focused on the more action-oriented sustainability programs, uh, transition to renewable energy, energy efficiency, waste reduction. And Walking Mountains was more of the traditional outdoor environmental and science education. But in uh, 2014, we folded in uh, the Eagle Valley Alliance for Sustainability into Walking Mountains and pre- created a program department for sustainability. And, uh, you know, we really did that at the encouragement of donors and board members thinking, boy, you're going to get a lot more done if you can really focus on the impact and the programs and not so much on the um, you know, the overhead and the administration. Mm. So indeed, uh, just shortly after a year or so after we folded that smaller organization in, the impact has really catapulted and become, you know, doubled, if not quadrupled, the impact of our, our energy programs and waste reduction programs across the county. Great. Well, I think over here in the Roaring Fork Valley, people are really familiar with the work of CLEAR and CORE in doing some of that uh, energy reduction, energy efficiency, clean energy transition. Um, and it sounds like um, that that niche is being, being filled over there by the Eagle Valley uh, Alliance for Sustainability. Yeah, so it's the um, Eagle Valley Alliance for Sustainability is now the sustainability programs at Walking Mountain Science Center. And uh, we have worked with the county and all of our local uh, governments, businesses, other organizations to develop the Climate Action Collaborative for the Eagle County community. And uh, we started out in, I think it was 2016, where... uh, Eagle County asked us to convene a group of stakeholders and develop uh, goals collaboratively and uh, recommendations and an action plan for the county. And so that was an amazing uh, year-long process of pulling that together. And then uh, after that was created, we really talked about, well, what kind of structure was needed in order to hold this collaboration and action focus together. And it continues today as this Climate Action Collaborative and uh, we've got a board with all of our local um, governments that are on that board and many other stakeholders that meet quarterly and working groups um, focused on the different areas of, of transportation, um, transitioning to electrification and uh, natural solutions. So there's many focused sort of task working groups helping us to meet our goals. Oh, amazing. It sounds like you're really weaving together all of the different threads of stakeholders in the community. So let's talk about CMC's sustainability program. Um, I first met you, actually, when you were consulting for the college, uh, working with Rob Wang and Lynn Cassidy uh, to flesh out the curriculum that became the basis of the program and stands today. Um, I think at that time you were busy with your work uh, with Walking Mountains, but years later, the opportunity arose to come back to the college uh, where you've been teaching full-time now, I believe, four years? 
Oh, uh, yeah, Four? going into my fourth okay, year now. Right. Mm-hmm. So what do you see as the value proposition this program already offers our mountain communities? And um, also, what are your hopes and dreams for its future? I mean, well, CMC is incredible in the fact that it really designs its programs to meet the needs of the local community. And I think sustainability is truly taking off in our communities right now in terms of these climate action plans that we Mm -hmm. were just talking about, uh, different sustainability initiatives um, that are helping to meet some of the state-level goals. Mm -hmm. Um, So now is a great time for the Sustainability Studies program to be truly coming into its own uh, now 10 years later. Uh, we're going to be relooking at it a little bit to just see how we can continue to evolve the program and integrate it even more with our communities. And uh, I feel like our students are huge contributors to our communities and how they evolve into mm-hmm. the future. Many of them are working in our communities for businesses, nonprofits, or uh, for, the, for local governments and um, really helping us make a transition. Yeah, my trusty co-pilot, Adele Kraft, is a good case in point. (laughs) Many of our listeners know Adele quite well as someone serving the community, and the list is really quite extensive uh, in the Roaring Fork Valley, in the Eagle Valley, in Steamboat, on the Front Range, in Breckenridge. I mean, the list goes on. We have dozens and now really hundreds of alumni out there who are doing the work of sustainability uh, wherever they are. Um, and we, we all get to benefit from that. Well, yeah, and I felt like, um, you know, when that position opened for opened up in the Edwards campus, which is uh, where I'm currently teaching full-time now, um, I felt like this is a great opportunity um, for me and my next sort of professional uh, phase uh, for our communities and for the students, uh, just because I do have a lot of uh, contacts that I can share with students and help develop internships and actionable projects that can really give them that hands-on experience before they graduate. Yeah, that's so important to have this uh, real-life experience. I think that's true, really, of any any program. But um, I think w- one question we get a lot for the sustainability program from students, prospective students, and especially their parents, is what can you do with this degree? Like, what are the jobs? Maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Like, what what does the employment landscape look like for people who study sustainability? Yeah, well, the job title might not always include that word sustainability, but whether it's uh, working on water, water quality, water efficiency, uh, energy. Uh, to renewable energy, energy efficiency, electric vehicles, um, public transportation, agriculture, growing food. Uh, There are just an endless number of things that students can be involved in. And uh, whatever excites them, you know, whatever aspect it might be, whether it's climate change or something else. Maybe it's applying their creative um, ideas as an artist and communicator to help mm-hmm. uh, tell mm-hmm. those stories that are so important. Yeah, great. So let's dive into the reason we were able to catch you in person today on your way up to Aspen. So the United Nations has this group of member nations that each contain mountain ecologies. And every four years, uh, the Mountain Partnership, as it's called, holds a global meeting. Uh, This week, that meeting will be held for the first time in North America, right here in our own valley. Uh, It's a really big deal. 
Y'all can look up the schedule for the summit and get tickets at mountainsmatteraspen.com. So, Kim, can you give us a little background about the UN's Mountain Partnership? You know, what is the work they do and how is it intersected with CMC and, and your work? Yeah, the Mountain Partnership um, evolved, boy, maybe it was about 25 years ago, but as a realization that mountains um, as ecosystems in their own right have really been under-recognized um, in academia and other uh, governmental realms, you know, you can get a degree in oceanography, but you really can't get mm. a degree in the study of mountains. Mm -hmm. Yet mountains contribute so much to life on our planet, uh, whether it's freshwater resources, biodiversity, uh, amazing cultures around the world. And so the Mountain Partnership was developed to bring mountain uh, governance uh, together, different mountain uh, communities, uh, especially rural communities, to talk about sustainability, biodiversity protection, and some of those really important matters. And it's interesting that so many governmental boundaries are along the spines of mountain mm, ranges. And mm -hmm. so that can really create a disconnect for uh, conservation, for communities, and livelihoods. So uh, these countries come together in this uh, UN format of the Mountain Partnership and really work on those issues that are so important just to uh, survival. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great point about how mountains get carved up by political boundaries. Our counties up here um, in, the, in the central Rocky Mountains are a good example of that. Where would we be if the three counties that intersect in the Roaring Fork Valley hadn't come together to create a school district that could serve the entire valley? We'd, we'd, we'd have quite a quite a bit of chaos on our hands um, and that that the same is true for national boundaries as well so uh, tell us what you're excited about as far as uh, you know what you're going to be doing this week at the mountains matter summit well I've always felt and um, experienced that whenever you interact with people from different cultures um, there's always so much that can be learned from different perspectives and ways of doing things and uh, in my role as mayor and on the Vale Town Council, we've had the opportunity to travel to uh, our sister city communities, and I always feel so refreshed and energized to look at things with new eyes after talking with different people. And so, it is amazing that Aspen is hosting this event. This only this event only happens every four years, I believe, and so this is a huge coming together of uh, different countries. And I'm just excited to talk with some of these people in person. I have had the opportunity to participate in some of the trainings and meetings that the Mountain Partnership hosts, but to have everybody there in person uh, talking face-to-face -face is going to be incredible. Nice. We all get your tickets at mountainsmatteraspen.com and get up there and do some learning from these uh, world-renowned practitioners of mountain sustainability. Um, yeah, it occurred to me too, another good example of that um, uh, intergovernmental need to collaborate in mountains is RAFTA. You know, we have this incredibly complex um, social landscape here in the Roaring Fork Valley, and, and yet um, uh, 
we were able to put together a regional transport authority by having all of these municipalities and counties talk to each other. And, and it's no easy matter. Um, and it turns out, you know, you're, you're getting a taste of uh, what it's like to be an elected official now as well. So thank you for your service as the mayor of Vail. I'm sure that's a heavy lift and it's an unpaid one at that. Um, could you share something with our listeners about challenges that you're, you faced and or successes that you're proud of in, in this role? Well, I really ended up on the Vail Town Council and becoming mayor just because I care about my community. You know, I grew up there. My grandfather helped start the fire department, and I just have a sense of that civic responsibility and saw an opportunity to uh, help out and bring some of my sustainability expertise into the community. And so it's been incredibly rewarding and uh, meeting so many people, those I've known for a long time, but also many new people who have moved there and really trying to uh, find those zones of agreement where we can move forward. And people ask me, you know, what's it like to be a politician? I don't really think of myself as a, a politician. I just am someone who cares about my community and um, do whatever, you know, it takes to, to move things forward. And we probably have some similar issues um, over in the Eagle Valley as we do, as you do here in the in the Roaring Fork. You know, the cost of housing has gone through the roof, and that's a a huge uh, issue for us, and we're working as hard as we possibly can on uh, building new housing projects and uh, purchasing those that we can and putting locals in them. So um, that's really one of the highest priorities for us right now. And so that takes a lot of convening, like you said, of of the different partners, different uh, government jurisdictions to try and create those those win-win projects. Yeah, I, I hear Eagle County commissioners have been doing some some big work, especially Dylan Roberts, uh, tapping into some of the newly available funding for affordable housing. Uh, and of course, this intersects with CMC as well, uh, because uh, one of the big projects coming online is actually going to be at our uh, campus in Edwards. So that's an interesting example of public uh, entities uh, collaborating to, to get get solutions to our housing dilemma. Yeah, that's fantastic for the Edwards campus because we don't have any student housing at this point. And uh, it'll be opening next fall and students are pretty much lining up right now and you know asking when they can uh, get on that list. So it's going to be a huge help for our communities. I mean, we're able to serve many of the students who are growing up in the Eagle Valley and may have... Um, housing with their families, but there's so many others that, you know, want to stay or want their own apartment or some that may want to move in from another community. I think some of our students move from one community to another because we allow for that flexibility. Mm -hmm. So it's really going to be a great asset for the CMC campus in Edwards and all of the Eagle Valley. Yeah, that's, that's big news. Um, so how long is your, um, your term in the, in that, in the mayor seat? Well, Adrian, I only have just over a year uh-huh. to go because okay. I'm term limited. I see. And uh, so got a lot to get done in the next year. What uh, What are you working on? Well, uh, working on uh, wildlife habitat protection, as I mentioned, housing. We also have a rural uh, r- transportation authority uh, vote coming up this November. So uh, there's a lot of similar things that are happening over there. But yeah. I say those are probably the top three. Gotcha. 
And when we were just now listening to um, Sarah Tim Shizen and, and Rachel Becker, um, I was um, explaining to Kim about Highwater Farm and, and how they inhabit a piece of public land and um, uh, outside of Silt. Um, and uh, you, you had a pretty interesting reaction about um, so maybe some some of the the bounty that we have over here. Uh, in the, in this area compared to Eagle Valley when it comes to agricultural resources? Yes, I feel like both valleys have uh, developed quite rapidly over the course of my lifetime. And um, it feels like the Roaring Fork Valley um, has really held on to its open agricultural spaces so that you have more opportunity for local food sustainability you know, we have small pockets here and there over in the Eagle, Eagle Valley, but definitely not as much um, not as much activity and opportunity because we have had more uh, development, whether it's housing, golf courses, uh, more industrial like the airport or Costco or whatever that might be. I mean, these things are important, but we need to make sure and hang on to those open space agricultural lands. Yeah, and I, I hear uh, some of my ag anarcho friends uh calling for the golf courses to become big areas of agricultural production one day hey well you never know things change that's yeah, like they do. The, the mountains are talking <laughs> so before we wrap up today let's take a moment to recognize uh that we can bring you cutting edge content like this with world-class innovators like dr lang made only because of the support that we get from you our listeners. Do you have any thoughts about public radio to share with our listeners? Well, Adrian, I so appreciate KDNK. It's always the radio station that I'm listening to when I'm in the Roaring Fork. And sometimes even when I'm not here, uh, we have our little radio-free mintern over in the Eagle Valley and love to support them. But I think it's critical. I'm just always inspired by the stories that I hear, particularly the interview that just took place before this one, uh, learning about the uh, animal refuge out there in the Front Range. I mean, there's always such interesting stories that you have here. Well, we so appreciate that you tune in to Katie and Kay. Um, and so grateful that you could join us today in the studio and share some of the wisdom of, of your experience. Well, thanks for having me, Adrian. It's uh, great to be working with you and talking with you. So uh, look forward to the future. Likewise. All right, folks. Well, you heard it here. Um, become a member if you're not already or renew your membership or up your membership. You can do that in a variety of ways. The two easiest are go to org and click on that big donate button that we put right there on top. Um, but if you're not trustee of the internet payment methods, don't you worry. Give us a call in our office, 963-0139, and we can take your payment over the phone. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you again in one month. Uh, this is My Own Two Hands. We air on the fourth Monday of every month from 4.30 to 5. Peace out.
You're listening to Emmy Lou Harris and Motel Sin stares you down. You're on the sound beat. Even Cowgirls Get the Blues was included on Harris's Blue Kentucky Girl, a Warner Brothers LP. It was recorded in Nashville in 1979 with an 